Welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And welcome to visitors who are here with us this morning. Um, I don't want to make a big fuss of it, but I know some people would like an update. So Rachel has health has not improved, unfortunately. So the next step is that she's going to require surgery to try to get the fluid out of her lungs. So it's kind of where we're at. We thought we weren't even in hospital for three days, but you know, we'll see what God does. But anyway, thank you for your prayers and for your practical support. It means a lot to us at this time. Alrighty, as Murray said, we're going to continue on with our uh, Great Commission series, and I'm going to start with reading. Is the clicker going to work today? It doesn't look like it is. Oh, Matt, uh, the good thing I gave you those handouts. So can we go to the first slide, which is Matthew chapter 28. So we're going to read here. Matthew 28 from verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee and the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." Now, last week we looked at that part there where Jesus said, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. So I'm going to look at the next part, which is therefore. Now, for you English buffs, what does therefore mean? What does therefore mean? The, pardon? Read the bit before. There's, like it's uh, something to do with, you know, for that reason, consequently. So, therefore, if Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth, that means that he gives all authority to his, to his disciples to go out and make more disciples. And it's interesting, if you read the Greek, if we see the next slide, we just say, therefore, go. I like what you can, how you can literally translate it. Therefore, after you go, or as you go, or on your way. There's this idea that it's not just a one-time event, it's a, it's a lifetime thing. As you go, on your way, you are there making disciples. And there's 11 disciples, some of them who are worshipping Jesus, and some of them have this great doubt. They're called to leave this place and go out, not just to Israel, but to the whole world, so that they become disciples of Jesus. Now, the word disciple... What is a disciple? If you've been in church for a long time, you'll hear this word crop up. How would you define disciple? Don't be shy. Follower. Yeah, follower, learner. And we're going to do a bit of Greek study today. So I'm going to pull out the Greek word methetes. And methetes, yeah, means like a learner, an apprentice, or a pupil. And the first person to use the word methetes was a historian called... Herodotus, and he used this word to describe someone who makes a significant personal life commitment. That's what a Mathetes was, someone who dedicated themselves completely 
to the followings of a teacher. This isn't a Christian word, a biblical word. It's a secular Greek word used to describe people who would follow a teacher, a philosopher, someone like that. And the idea was you would imitate the behavior of the teacher. Whatever the teacher did, you would do. So that definition in mind, I have another question for us all. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does that mean? Pardon? A believer? Yeah. An imitator. Someone who imitates Jesus. I saw one definition is that someone who understands and obeys Jesus' teaching for all their life. Now, the word disciple, perhaps it can feel a little abstract, a bit, you might hear it in church, but it's not really an everyday term. It's not like we go around, well, I'm a disciple of this. We don't use it very often. But perhaps there's a, another word that might be more helpful. So what I was thinking about, an apprentice. So saying, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to be an apprentice of Jesus. Now, in, in our modern workforce, what type of jobs have apprentices. Tradies, yeah. Practical jobs. Okay. And, and, and a key feature of like a tradie is what do you do? You use your hands. You're practical. You're not there sitting in a classroom just studying. You're out there doing something. Yeah, sure, being a tradie, you have to know some of the theoretical skills. But most of it is learnt on the job. So if we shift that mindset from sort of a disciple, which is a very religious word, and we kind of can feel a bit abstract, to an apprentice, this idea of being an apprentice, the implications for us, like an apprentice tradie, you need to actually be doing something. You can't just be sitting there filling your head, being inactive. You must be a worker. And I have here the next slide, true apprentices are those who understand and obey Jesus' teachings. And if you get all of that, it's practical. It's a lifelong thing. You, you, it's not just a Sunday morning thing for one hour. To be a Mathetes, to be a disciple, to be an apprentice, you're dedicating your whole life to imitating Jesus Christ. Uh, when... In Matthew's Gospel, we're gonna, this is the fun part. We're going to do a bit of nerding out. I'm going to teach you some bit of fun facts about Matthew, and then we're going to finish off with something practical in the next 15 minutes. So, fun fact. I was reading some commentaries. The word go only appears a couple of times in Matthew. One of them is the Great Commission, and the other time is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, where Jesus sends his disciples out. But this time it's to the lost sheep of Israel not to the Gentiles, and not to the Samaritans. And some people get a bit confused. They go, oh, why would Jesus only send his disciples to the house of Israel and then later on send out to all the nations? Was it just this random addition to Jesus? Ah, the Jews don't believe me, so therefore get all the nations. The answer to that is no. Jesus had a specific calling to ensure that the Jews would be the first to receive salvation. But it didn't mean Jesus' plan included the nations afterwards. Now, in Matthew's gospel, there are three categories of people. Either you're one of three. Either you're one of Jesus' disciples, you're a true believer. Either you're kind of the crowds, and I say neutral. The crowds are often neutral. Sometimes they believe, sometimes they don't. 
or you're an adversary. You're one of the Jewish leaders. And essentially what Jesus and Matthew in his gospel is trying to do is trying to get people to go, which category are you? Are you a true believer? Are you just sitting there on the fence? Or are you an adversary? And the role of making disciples is to ensure that the whole world will know the message of Jesus, to have a world that reflects the teachings and the lifestyles and patterns of Jesus. And the plan has been for all nations since Abraham himself was called. And you read there in Genesis chapter 12, so Genesis chapter 12 here, a very famous verse, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. What's the point of Abraham's family? What's the point of it? What's that last sentence say? Pardon? Yeah, all peoples. Not just you Jews, not just you Israelites, all peoples will be blessed. Now, next slide please, Matt. Get to Matthew's gospel. Well, we've talked about the genealogy a couple of years back. But it's interesting, Matthew starts his genealogy here. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The question is, what was Abraham's family called to be? We've just answered it. A blessing to all the nations. So if Jesus is the true son of Abraham, which Matthew is identifying, then what does that mean? It means all nations will be blessed. This has been part of Jesus' plan from the beginning. In fact, if you trace through the Gospel of Matthew, and even in the genealogy, we, we spoke about this a couple of years back, the mothers of Jesus, Tamar, um, uh, Rahab, uh, Ruth, Uriah's wife, they're all um, Gentiles. I'm not sure why I hide, highlighted Boaz there. Should have been Rahab. But anyway, point is, there's five women. Most of them are Gentiles. They're not Jews, but they're part of Jesus' genealogy. Matthew identifies that the first people to worship Jesus in his gospel. It's not the shepherds. It's pagan Gentiles, the wise men from the east. We have a Roman centurion who has so much faith that Jesus will heal his servant. Jesus declares, I haven't found faith like this anywhere in Israel. And in fact, another healing, Jesus heals a Canaanite woman's daughter. And if you listen to banter from last week, we, Murray and I spoke a little bit about the Canaanites. Yeah, there's a fair bit of violence that happens to the Canaanites in Scripture. So that's a very, very charged healing there. Jesus has come to bless all nations. I was reading a commentator, Jonathan Pennington, and he just says these words, which really resonate with me. Matthew, along with the rest of the New Testament authors, understands through Jesus' teachings and death and resurrection that in the new covenant, the people of God are defined along different lines, no longer in terms of ethnicity, but, on whether one, but based on whether one responds to Christ in 
face. Friends, that's you and I. I Maybe there are some Jewish people here that are descended from the seed of Abraham directly. Tell you what, I'm not. But I'm part of that. Part of the nations that the prophets foretold. In fact, there was hope for the nations, particularly in the prophet of Isaiah. And I've got a number of passages there from Isaiah. And a lot of them revolve, I won't read them all, but a lot of them revolve around a mountain. Last day is the mountain. On this mountain, I will bring them to my holy mountain. The nations will stream. It's no accident that Matthew finishes his gospel with Jesus on a mountain. Instead of the nation streaming to a sacred mountain, they're streaming to him. Jesus becomes that temple. Jesus becomes that mountain so that we can worship him wherever we are. And that's the fun sort of biblical facts. Let's kind of get a bit more practical. So what's our role in this? Well, remember last week we, I spoke about Adam's calling to rule and subdue over the earth? Another way too, this is similar to that. Jesus has given us another calling. And in this strange partnership, we're called to continue what Jesus started. What a privilege that is. How many of us have been too frightened to share Jesus with a co-worker, a friend, or a family member because we're worried about what people think? We kind of want to keep our Christian identity hidden because we don't want people to think bad of us. But when you frame it this way, just say, what an amazing privilege. We've been called to make disciples, to make apprentices of all nations. We're, in fact, continuing what Jesus started on that mountain all those years ago. David Platt, he's a pastor in the United States. He recently was interviewed. And he just said this quote, which again resonated with me tremendously. We have not been called to live for the prosperity of one nation. We've been called to live for the proclamation of the gospel to all nations. That's what we've been called to do. That's the immense privilege we have in following Jesus. Now, I understand that discipleship, kind of uh, trying to disciple people, evangelize, it's hard. And in a 20-minute sermon, it's kind of hard to share something practical. But here are Mitch's apprenticeship strategy tips, which also comes help thanks of a guy called Michael Wilkins in his book, Following the Master. I think here, to start off with, to start off with, there's no magic program. Make it personalized. Uh, We can use different Bible studies, different tools, and they're helpful. But make it personalized. If, depending on where people are, approach them where they are. There's no magic program, magic trick to get people to be discipled. Challenge people to pick up their cross. That's what Jesus called. He goes, each and every day, all of us are called to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus daily. If you're serious about making disciples of the nations, that's a big one. Each and every day, we need to remember that. To imitate our master, we need to do that. Pick up our cross each and every day to deny ourselves. Thirdly, model Christ-like behavior. I've been driving to the hospital for the last two weeks, and as people who drive Sydney roads know, there are some very bad drivers out there. There are some drivers who may irritate you, cut you off, you know, do dumb things, do 20Ks under the speed limit. 
It's easy to beep the horn, stick your fist out the window, curse at them in your car. Is that modelling Christ-like behaviour? Is that imitating the master? That's what, that's what the apprenticeship of Jesus looks like. It's an each and every day, each moment, trying to model Christ-like behaviour. That doesn't mean it's easy, but that's what we've been called to do. If you're serious about being an apprentice of Jesus, fourthly, read and reflect upon the words and teachings of Scripture. Ultimately, yeah, yeah, being an apprentice, we, we, it's practical, it's physical, but we do need that head knowledge. We do need to understand what Jesus taught. In fact, we'll look at next week about teaching all the commandments that I've given you. We need to be doing that daily, to be understanding Scripture, to be reading it and seeing it through the lens of the struggles and trials that we have in our lives. And then next I have sort of, I guess, a personal apprenticeship marker. If you're a bit like, uh, I kind of follow Jesus, but I'm not really sure. Well, here's sort of three things that, and we talked about this as a team as a good measure for church health. But I think it's good for personal health. Can you honestly say fruit? Am I bearing fruit in my life? Are the fruits of the Spirit evident in my life? That's a great marker. That's one of the prayers I pray with my kids each night. Lord, may Asher and Hazel and now Marcus grow up to bear the fruits of the Spirit in their life. Unity. Are you a person who tries to bring unity, forgiveness. You're not divisive. You're not an angry character. You're someone who's striving for unity. Then lastly, mission. You're someone that has a heart for nations. That sees that tremendous calling that Jesus has given us and partnering with the, the very words of Scripture itself to continue that legacy. God started with Abraham through Jesus and now us. Do you want to do that? I think there's some great markers for self-reflection about, am I an apprentice for Jesus Christ? Lastly, I want to leave us with a challenge here. Perhaps we can spend a moment before I call the band back up, just praying in reflection. Who are some people in your life that you could pursue apprenticeship with? Who's someone that you know you need to disciple? Who's someone that... Maybe you, perhaps, you need to be discipled. Perhaps there's a non-Christian co-worker, family member, friend, someone that you can pursue the apprenticeship of Jesus Christ with. On that note, friends, I'm going to pray for us. Hey, Lord, as we yeah, just unpacked your word and that tremendous calling on, because you possess all authority, therefore we go and make disciples of all nations. I pray that we can just see that immense privilege, that immense calling that we have. Lord, to be people who are fruitful, who possess unity and are on mission for you. I just pray, Lord, that as the challenge that Jesus gave us to pick up our cross each and every day, that we do that. And to see ourselves partnering in with those promises given to Abraham that was fulfilled in Jesus, where all the nations would come to you. And so we just pray, Lord, that our community around us, that, Lord, we see people streaming towards you as the prophets foretold. Lord, I just pray for your help and strength in us in pursuing our apprenticeship, to not be distracted, but to be single-minded and focused, to be 
Yeah, Lord, the Mathetes, the disciples, the learners that you want us to be. And I just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.